Welcome to the Horrible Movie Podcast, a studio DNA podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at thehorriblemoviepodcast.com. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. You can become a patron of our show and the Studio DNA Network by going to patreon.com slash studio DNA to find out more. Now, here's the show. Welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got a very special, special episode. We're talking about Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. But first, it's a segment we want to really pitch here. It's called Song of the Week. I reached out to someone who I've been a huge fan of for a long time. I mean long time. Um, I reached out to Stephen Christian. The, he's solo now as far as he has a new album out called wildfires you need to look you need to look this up it's on spotify it's on itunes it's everywhere stephen christian wildfires i asked him for a song of the week he gave me a suggestion for a song of the week this is stephen christian pretty cool pretty cool lead singer of the band in berlin if you didn't know and um stephen gives you a great suggestion for a song of the week um i'm gonna let him tell you about it um, and then we're going to rock and roll all night and party every day. Um, going to be up all night is the name of the song. Uh, and you got that ready? Mm-hmm. Here's Stephen Christian. I'm going to tell you all about it. Hey, this is Stephen Christian. And my song of the week choice would be the band War on Drugs with Off the Record Deeper Understanding. It's a song called Up All Night. And man, it is so cool because it adds in a lot of elements from everything from Bruce Springsteen to Tom Petty, even a little Dylan in there. Um, but I think I like it the most because it's one of those songs like that, you know, the sun's going down, you're about, you're getting ready to go out, hit the city, and it's just the perfect song to kind of start the night. Trust me, when you hear it, you'll hear it as well. I mean, like, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's just like, the world's a great place because this song is on. And I know that sounds crazy, but go listen to it for yourself. It's off the record, a deeper understanding. The band is War on Drugs, and the song is up all night. All right. I love the way he talks about that song, by the way. He is everything that I ever wished to be in music as far as, I shouldn't say that because I don't have, one, his looks, <laughs> one, two, his abilities, uh, three, his hair. You got for long, you got long for ago, man. his uh, stature, <laughs> did I mention his talent? But I'm saying he is cool as school. Like this guy, folks, if you've never heard the band Amberlin, A-N-B-E-R-L-I-N, and then if you've never just looked up, you need to look up his new album. It's called Wildfires. Um, it is awesome. Stephen Christian is a, for me, like whenever Eighth Plague, the man that I used to be in, was playing music. Like for me, I was like, man, if we could just, if we could ever get to this level, I'd be like, well, we've made it. And he played, I mean, Amberlynn played all over the place worldwide for like a decade. 
And he's just awesome. My wife and I, I've seen him five times. I've seen that man five times. And then um, in different places. Like I saw him in Kansas City a couple times. They came to Springfield once. Saw them in Boise, Idaho. I saw them in Tulsa. Like I've, that's a band, one of those bands that's like, if they're within three or four hours, I'm going to drive to see them. Yeah. And pretty awesome. So, so anyway. I, I've told you my Amberlynn story before. Yes. I, I can't remember. Were you also at that show? Or? Okay, we, well, when you talked about it, because you were talking about them jumping up and down. Yes. And it was at the Outland Ballroom in Second Springfield. Second floor. And we were there at that show, and you didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My friend Richie, what, who, what, my friend what, what, Richie, who, if the weather wasn't going to be bad, was going to be on this episode. Uh-huh. And he was at that show as well. And That's so I was, cool. I was so going to surprise him with because I hadn't told him that we had that clip from Stephen Christian. Yeah. And it was just going to be like this surprise, but it's how it works, folks. The weather this winter has been weird. but that, that was one of the craziest shows just because of what happens. So it's on the second floor of this two-story club, basically. And the, I guess the floor is really bad there, or was at the time. This is back in 2003, probably. It's in a really old building. Yeah. And, and I just think there were a lot of people. Like, and so I think it was a the, lot the crowd of people was nuts. Show. I mean, if, if yeah. you were in there, you were an Amberlynn fan, because they, they, it only allowed maybe three, two or 300 people in there. Like, yeah. it's a real small place. And so, like, everyone's just going crazy. Everyone loves Amberlynn. And so everyone's jumping up and down together. Like, it's on, on beat, right? Yeah. Like, so everyone's pounding on this floor. Yeah. And so, like, about maybe, I don't know, halfway through the show, the manager of the, of the Outlands comes out on stage, grabs a mic. He's like, you guys got to stop jumping. Like, our floor can't handle this. Like, yeah. we will literally fall through the floor if you guys keep this up. And so uh, Amber, uh, Stephen Christian comes back out. He's like, he's like, okay, guys, we, we gotta keep it cool. Keep it cool. Would that last like a song? Well, you, like, <laughs> what are you going to tell people to do? It's music, and you're yeah. going to move to it. Yeah. Um, there, man, there, that was a really cool show. People and kept jumping throughout yeah, the rest of the show. Really, really that. cool show. I saw Amberlynn in um, Kansas City with Motion City soundtrack, which is basically cool. like those two bands, Amberlynn and Motion City, are my two like as far as rock bands go, like probably my two favorite rock bands, yeah, like of all time. So, needless to say, folks, I'm I'm marked out on whenever. Uh, Stephen Christian was so gracious to give us that clip. I was just so pumped. So we've been trying to get him on the show, and his schedule and our schedule just haven't worked out. You know, normally I'm not able to do stuff in the middle of the day, especially during the school year, and uh, I always feel lame when I tell people that. Like, well, we've had so many people that have responded to be like, can you? Can we record now, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I've got to make money on my job. So anyway. So, so it, how do you feel, Jack, in the last three episodes, including this one, you've had – a one-minute clip from Chris Blue and Stephen Christian. How about that? Do that one. I honestly, Colt Cabana last yeah last episode true. is yeah. so cool to me. Yeah, that's and a then trifecta. that Richard Serrett would be willing to come on for me because he's on. I mean, he's just he's just like a different thing. Because I I said this like fifteen episodes ago or something like that. I talked about I really want to have like a conspiracy person on or like a Bigfoot whatever. Anyway, so it's been a it's we're been checking a off ride. a lot of boxes yeah. right now. Yeah. A hundred episodes, and then you start checking, you know, this is 102, you start checking off a lot of boxes. It's fun. If yeah. nothing else, folks, you should have a podcast just so you can have fun have fun and mark out. We're going to go and see a bunch of celebrities this weekend, if that even trips your trigger at all on celebrities, because some people are like, they're just whatever. But it's fun. It's kind of cool. Cool. Anyway, Stephen Christian, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, folks, the movie this week, to segue to something even better. Kung Pao, enter the fist. Uh, Phil, this was your suggestion. Oh, yeah. So tell us about your first uh, time with uh, Kung Pao, enter the fist. 
so we watched this a lot in college. Um, <laughs> it, the movie came out in 2002. So we, and I know we watched it on video. So, um, right. Was it 2002 that the movie came out? Oh, two, yep. Uh, Maybe it was after college then. I was definitely college age. But we used to watch this movie over and over and over again. I'm telling you, we we probably watched this movie sometimes twice in a single week, uh, maybe three times in a single week. Like we would watch it over and over again and we would quote it. Like it was one of those things where like a whole bunch of us went to go see it in theaters. I don't know why we were so crazy about this movie. Clearly it's not a great movie. Um, but I think we're just into that dumb humor that was made popular by the, the Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber, those kind of movies. And it's MST3K. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, he... and, and it was unique. I mean, when the movie came out, and maybe still to this day, it's it's one of the only movies you can find that, that does this. I mean, it basically dubs over an existing movie. So, um, He, o- Odekirk, is kind of the brainchild behind this. And I'll just tell you about this. He's friends with Jim Carrey, which helped him. Um, a lot in life. He worked on. He worked and wrote for Fox. Um, he's done a ton of stuff with them. He did. He worked with uh, Jim Carrey on Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. He worked with him on When Nature Calls. Yeah, I don't think most people know Odekirk for his acting. It, it's it's I, he, although he has acted in several of his own films, he, but he co he co wrote the movie Nutty Professor. Yeah, yeah. He, his writing and directing track record is stellar. Um, Nothing to lose with Tim Robbins and uh, Martin. And um and, and, and then he did this Bruce Almighty yeah and he's produced a lot of films too like he's he's big time in the comedy movie scene yeah and so you look at this movie and I see it and I get it it's a brainchild of him going I bet we could I got these two films that I like and I can splice myself into these things and we'll overdub it uh, we'll MST3K this thing again it's you know. I wonder if it's a decade before bad lip reading. Yeah. So it's kind of that same similar idea. So I wonder if he had trouble finding somebody to actually star in the role or if he just really from the beginning always imagined like I, I would be great for this role. Let's talk about this real quick. Uh, it's time for some deets. Real quick deets here. Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Steve Odekirk, who's the director, like we said, he produced it. Steve Odekirk, Tom uh, Caronda, uh, Paul Marshall, and written by Steve Odekirk, starring Steve Odekirk and Jennifer Tung, T-U-N-G. By the way, it should be punctuated. Those are the only two actors in this movie that are new. Everyone else is based on the old uh, Yeah, the old and there are a lot of, lot of extras, uh, American extras in the movie, but as far as speaking roles, those are the only two. It's a uh, 20th Century Fox uh, distributed movie. I'm assuming Disney could pick this up and really run with it now since they own 20th Century Fox. <laughs> That's true. Disney could really do some damage with this now, uh, and everyone's wanting that. Uh, release date, January 25th, 2002, which says a lot. It's a January movie. That makes sense. Um, only 80 minutes, which you said, Dude, it's hey, it's so only 80 short. minutes. If nothing else, you know, what else you got going on? I mean, there are Pixar movies that are longer. <laughs> uh, budget, $10 million, and box office, $17 million. So not too shabby. Honestly, $7 million investment or a $7, $7 million, uh, ma- ma- you know, made $7 million basically in Hollywood. And that's a, that's a plus plus. Yeah. So um, based, based on the 1976 Hong Kong Kung Fu film called Tiger and Crane Fists. So let's uh, let's do this real quick. Let's talk about um, let's talk about the um, 30 second synopsis. OK, I will. Um, Are you going to take this one? I will take this one. You took the last one. Uh, my friend Richie, like I said, was going to come on this, and to travel was nasty, and he yeah. was driving like 120 miles to do it. So I forgive him for that, which he doesn't need forgiven for that because he's cool. No, he doesn't cool. need your forgiveness. He would like. I bet he's seen this movie before. Anyway, <laughs> Richie, 
Here you go. This one's for this, this, is, is, this one's for you, Richie. Pour, pour one out for Richie. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Kung Pao, enter the fist. Are you ready? I am. 30 second synopsis. And hold on. I, let me set the alarm on myself here. I think I have time to do that. Sorry. I didn't plan for this very well. This is the nature of my beast. Like I said, now everyone knows how we do this segment. Well, nah, it's all right. <laughs> like I've said before, uh, if you came to Studio DNA for planning, go to Sif Pop. Yeah. If you want, they're the professionals. They're bros. <laughs> all right, here we go. Thirty second synopsis: Kung Pao and the Fist, and go me. I'm going now. <laughs> Check it out. Tiger and Crane Fist is the movie, also called Savage Killers. This is Kung Pao Into the Fist. It's an overdub monstrosity based on uh, the brain- brainchild of Steve Odekirk. He is uh, the director and starring in the movie. He kung fu chops him and his tongue, kung fu chop their way around things. Uh, he grabs some uh, woodchucks, his nunchucks, kicks them around, gets beat up. In the end, he wins. All is awesome. Had Paul Huff did that ending. <laughs> so totally. <laughs> you never met, once mentioned that he's the chosen one, that he, he he's is, destined to save everyone. He is Neo. <laughs> All right. There's some Matrix Matrix influence in this movie. Oh, that is true. I, I actually I like the in, in um uh Hidden Tiger or Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon. Dragon, same time. Uh, yeah, which those movies came out shortly before this movie. So Okay. Well, folks, when we come back, we'll talk about the plot in this bad boy. Uh not a lot of plot, but no. We're going to talk about it, and we'll talk about awesomeness. Bye-bye. Well, and let's talk about some plot in a movie um, light on plot because it's a movie spliced together um, with the main actor inputted into it. Did you ever um, – do you remember whenever the technology apparently came to music videos to put modern people into videos? Natalie Cole and – Nat King Cole singing in a song together. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. So at some point in this singularity com- you know, comes together, well, right? I, I, I th- where technology is enough to make it not look really bad, even though in my eyes, I kept, I would always watch those and be like, why? Yeah. And I understood. And Nat- Natalie Cole and Nat King Cole's uh, uh, reasoning to sing, uh, sing that song together, it's as daughter yeah natalie cole's neck and cole's daughter um i got that they never got to sing together maybe it was a grandkid i don't know i'm not even gonna look it up but you can understand they put him in there uh in country music hank williams jr sang um tear in my beer with hank williams oh really and it was posthumously right like he was oh yeah hank williams died i mean not that long after Hank Williams Jr. was born. I can't believe I'm talking about Hank Williams Jr. on this podcast. But so they inserted him in this video and it looked like the first time I, I it remember it looked like seeing green it. screen and him yeah. looking around <laughs> in it and it looked really lame. Well, that's true. I, back then it, it, it was hard to pull it off well. I The first time I remember seeing it in any kind of pop culture was Forrest Gump because yes. uh, Forrest actually appears on screen with yes. JFK at one point. Yes. Um, and I think they do another scene with somebody else, some other famous person but like they actually had him talking to these people that were bear, no longer around bear bryant the coach of the alabama yeah, yeah. tied because he played for bear bryant um maybe not maybe they had an actual no they had a person acting like bear bryant but with jfk they're like well let's do we'll use the actual footage of was, him yeah talking to him he met nixon he in, in that uh-huh. way he met i think linda b johnson in that way as well and um 
but in, in and, that, and that was 94 so yeah, and that but, was like a full eight years before this movie came but then out. you look at this we always go back to this on the show in cgi world a computer generated world um darn it if that uh darn it if jurassic park doesn't always set the standard but like you look at way that that's done computer generated this is more of along the lines of old footage with a a regular person spliced in they take the setting that looks similar they do a screenshot away from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much in this movie actually he is. He's in the shot with the actual, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The actual things happening around him where he's in it. I feel like it's a separate screen. They do a lot of separate screen stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, it's Yeah, you're talking about like cutting to like um, 2002 shot and then switching away to 1976 shot. But yeah, there is quite a few scenes where he's actually just inserted into the... And they show that in, during the... Do you stick around for the credits at the end? Huh. The, uh, during oh, the... Oh, oh. As the credits are rolling, they're actually showing the original scene and then they show you the scene with him added. Like they show him acting in front of a green screen and then they show... The, the spliced together scene that actually made the movie. And it's pretty interesting technology. I think the way that they did it, but yeah, it's not a lot. I would say probably 15% of the movie, maybe 20% is him actually inserted into actual footage, yeah. existing footage. But how, like with this movie, would you be able to make a movie like this? This is kind of a lightning in a bottle situation. I think he took a movie that was not made in the United States that didn't make a lot of money um, that I'm sure was happy to make some cash just by selling the rights to Oderkirk to make this movie. Um, it, it was an old footage film. So, you know, if it didn't look great, like if, if, if inserting Steven into the shot didn't look great, it, it was kind of masked by the sense that the original movie didn't look very good. Like the actual cinematics and the, and the quality of the film was not, not good to begin with. So I don't know, like, I, I don't even know how many movies you can actually do this with. And be successful with it. Well, and and I could see you trying to do it. Um, I could see you trying to do it uh, again, but I could see it not being as successful. And this is successful because it does make money, and it didn't completely tank. The Rotten Tomatoes on it is eleven percent, which is hilarious. It's low. Like again, and and I've said this before. Okay, well, I'll get into the plot a little bit now, but but the. The the idea of this movie is let's take footage from an old movie, let's put me in it, and let's make a new plot using this old footage, which is kind of fun. Um, he is, and I'll say this: he is the chosen one. And it's par- we should say it's parody. If people haven't seen the movie, he, he's basically making making fun of. You can tell he loves the genre. Like he, I, I would be shocked if Steven. Steve Oderkirk didn't love Kung Fu movies. He probably grew up on them. Yeah. Like watching them as yes. a kid. Yes. So he loves the genre, but he's also poking fun at it, fun at it because he knows some of it's ridiculous. Uh, the Chosen One, that's the name you get. It's Steve Oderkirk plays him. Um, and he is, he. Uh, there's a narrator um, that talks very, <laughs> very um, faux Asian, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, in very Kung Fu-like terms. Well, it's also narrated by Steve Oderkirk, so yeah, yeah. And then um, the there's a Master Tang um, who's very ill, um, and he uh, tells Steve Oderkirk, or maybe does he raise him up? Is he the one that raised him? 
No, no, he he comes to him later on. Uh, can we talk about that baby scene though? Yeah, tell me about the baby scene. Dude, that 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 thing was so hilarious. That the, so the opening basically. All of the opening, like the first three, four or five minutes of the movie, it is it contains no existing footage. Like all of it was new footage that they shot for the film. Um, even the bad guy, like um, Master Payne in the Which movie, is really good. Yeah, uh, is from uh, now on you'll call me Ben. <laughs> yeah, Master Payne in that opening sequence when he kills uh, the chosen one's parents as it, uh, while he's a baby is. Uh, an extra like it's it's someone that is it's a lookalike um for that original actor but um he's like you think he's gonna like kill this baby easily and he just like starts like kicking him kicking the baby starts kicking him this adult man in the chin yes and then starts flipping around the room kind of uh we were talking about it earlier about kind of um dancing baby style dancing baby yeah from uh i can't stop this feeling from back in the day man the ooga chaka baby yeah ooga yeah. chaka um, and so it like Ugachaka CGI kind of flip, <laughs> flips around and stuff like that. Um, the baby pees on him oh at one point, which is like, ha ha, you know, mostly for kids probably. Um, and then uh, the baby f- rolls down the hill. Do you remember this? Like, yeah, in very Tommy Boy fashion <laughs> or Hot Rod if you've ever seen the movie Hot Rod. Yeah, um, like as, as I think the baby's trying to escape or whatever, but he gets thrown. Like the uh, I think the pastor Payne grabs him and throws him or something like that. He ends up, or he, he I think he just runs off a hill and starts rolling down. He he, he like hits all these rocks. He's like yeah. this new I, one. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and it, it finally gets down to like this road, whatever. Yeah. And there's a woman. And there's a woman, that and she goes, and, oh. and she's like, oh, this little baby. And you think he's so she's, cute, and she's she gonna kisses, raise him. She kisses him. Yeah, and then she's like, so cute. Bye bye, and then rolls the baby down, down the hill. <laughs> I had to laugh at that part. That was that was kind of funny. So, I did you laugh at a lot of this movie? I would say I would say probably I only laughed at maybe twenty percent of the jokes. Yeah. Like I, I, but some some of the parts that I laughed, I told you this last time on the phone. Some of the the parts that I was laughing, I was laughing hysterically. So I think the funny parts are really really funny, and the not funny parts are just groaners. Like really really hard to find anything humorous about. Um. The chosen one has to uh, go against uh, what's his name, the Master Pain. Master Pain. Yeah. Um, or Betty. Or he wants to be called Betty. Or you will call me Betty from now on. There's a Lion King parody portion of this movie. You remember that? Thing? Yes. Uh, it was. Uh, it wasn't Mufasa. It was um, Mushu Fasa. Mushu Fasa. Mushu Fasa. Yeah. So lame. And yeah. then um, he talks to him, and then uh, that's pretty lame. He goes, "I'm my name is not Simba." <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actual footage, and it's really hard. Uh, like I said, it's, there, there's so much cutscene from the old, you know, m- movies uh-huh. that they've overdubbed the voices, folks. So if you watch this, know that hey, you're not in for a regular movie. You're in for this overdubbed um, monstrosity of. I can you think of any movie where I mean, so Nettie Professor has. Um, we talked about that movie earlier because he wrote it, but. Um, like he plays Eddie Murphy plays several characters in that movie. Yes, but in this movie, Steve Oderkirk is playing every character in the film except for Tang. So Tang is the only person in this film besides him. Uh, of course, all of the original actors are in it, but they're not speaking any lines. So every line that's in this movie is spoken by Steve Oderkirk except for Tang, and Tang only has like what, like eight, eight or nine lines right. in the movie. It's weird. Like it's it's really strange. I can't think of any movie that's quite like it. Yeah, in that way, and and uh, like I said, I he he voices the female characters, like the yeah the, the nineteen seventy six oh. weird looking girl with the curly Q hair and stuff like that. He voices her, and admittedly, folks, um, I don't, 
I don't know the line where um, there's appropriateness for overdubbing and there's inappropriateness. I'm not sure, really. Yeah. There are probably people that would be like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they would look at that and be like, I can't believe that this was ever made. Right. <laughs> but I feel like back then, with a lot of things, I say back then, 2002, it's not that long ago, but it's long enough ago where culturally we've come a, we've come in a, a turbo speed way to some political correctness. Yeah. That you go, where's the line? It's, it's funny you do say you, that. What do you think? I, I, on this one, I'm not sure. I'm not meaning to paint you in a corner so yeah, you don't have to even answer. But there are, some, there are some parts that are clearly making fun of not just kung fu movies, but almost of tropes, Asians. Of yeah. tropes. Yeah, like of Asian people. Yeah. And uh, like there were a but, couple, couple but lines. Not, but, but, it made I, me uncomfortable in a couple spots. Okay, maybe don't talk about those things because I don't want people yeah, to. Yeah, I told my wife about it. I was like, I, I feel like this is almost not racist, but like bordering on it. And I feel like um, that that in general was, is the thing that would keep something like this from being made again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? I think... If, and I'm, I'm reading online trying to research because... Uh, and a lot of times I'll see on, on these things where people talk about... Um, uh, people talk about um, different groups that protested um, that protested things like you know things like this from being made, and I don't see that anywhere mm-hmm. in 2002. I, I just don't see that. So maybe that idea or wh- what I'm talking about isn't even it's not so egregious that it's like oh this isn't like doing you know a real a real I hate to use the word racist but a real racist parody of something. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. I, I don't know where the line's at. And some people might email me and tell me this is the line and I can't believe but but I also go I we've talked about blazing saddles on this podcast before yeah. and it, it's it's kind of in that same vein. But, yeah, I could see that. But, but again, we we also kind of admitted that blazing saddles couldn't be made today. So. It couldn't be made today. Um but then there'll be things that are made that I'm just like, how's that get made? Like like honestly, like I, hear me out when I say this. When Django Unchained was made, yeah. I was kinda like I I'm surprised that was able to be made today. There's a lot of N word in that, and there's a lot of, a lot of the things, and it's probably a lot, like a lot of things, folks. It's probably who is making it that makes the determination of how how it's allowed to be made, mm-hmm. and then um, the public perception then dictates the reaction. So in Django Unchained, it was there was uh, many African American actors in it, and um, the the racist white owner got what he had coming to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Weird. It's just a weird like dynamic in this situation. It's almost a throwaway media. Does it make sense where you go watch it? Don't watch it. It's really just a parody of a parody because Kung Fu, all of that stuff, all those movies were weirdly overdubbed back in the day anyway. Yeah. For, for English. So then it was like, oh, well, what am I really making fun of? Right. <laughs> am I making fun of the Asian culture or am I making fun of the people that overdubbed? What am I making, you know? Yeah, yeah. Weird. It is, it's, it's Oddly st- uh, stylized, very weirdly stylized. MXC, you ever seen, have you ever seen that show? Uh-huh. Um, Wipeout, the, the TV show Wipeout now, how it's overdubbed. You ever seen that show? Uh, where no. they, where they, I've heard about Wipeout it. Wipeout goes through like different... Um, um, uh, obstacle courses, right? It's overdubbed. Well, it is a ripoff of this show that came out on Spike when Spike was the network called MXC. 
which was then an overdub of another show called Some, So-and-So's Castle, and it was a Japanese show. Okay. And it's ver- it's overdubs. Really weird stuff. Our culture is weird because it's, if you, folks, you can go on, folks, you can go on YouTube and search things and find things where you're like, I, that's weird. I don't know what I'm looking at here. So anyway, the lip sync, the bad lip reading yeah. type stuff has existed for a long time. Yeah, oh yeah. Back, you know, M- MST3K and even before that, there were things that did that. So the internet has just really magnified it and made it more of a thing. So yeah. anyway, I don't know. I, that. I think the funniest overdub parts as far as like making fun of the overdub movies because i and i told you this uh last night but um i watched the original movie before watching this movie which i'd never seen i'd never seen tiger and crane fist yeah. until this but it's weekend. got an english overdub right yeah the, the english is it's not subtitled it's it's just english people speaking acting very badly over this relatively bad original movie um and so i think it's it's obviously poking fun at that but Kung Pao does it in a really funny way where like, um, like someone on screen is clearly voicing like, you know, 17 Japanese words. And then they say like one English word (laughs) in the middle of it, you know, and and it's obviously parody of, of that existing thing. And, and we should say that it's not just Japanese films that have been overdubbed. French films have been overdubbed. Uh, German films have been over. I mean, this is not just unique to Asian films, but, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of liked some of the, the jabs that, how kung fu movies have been localized, brought to the United States, and stuff like that. Um, in the end of this, I'll tell you. Go ahead and spoil the plot here. Um, Master Pain um, and his gang um, are eventually taken down by the Chosen One um, because he has these pyramid things that are stuck into his chest. Which, which, by the way, that is original to the movie. Like that, that whole plot line existed in Tiger and Crane Fist, and yeah. the Chosen One takes the pyramid things out of his chest. Yep. And uh, using crane style, using crane style to pull him out of there. But he cuts his hands up real bad at one point in the movie because they're really sharp. These these pyramid things. Yeah, and all that really ha- weird. All that happens in the original movie too. Yeah, uh, Tiger and Crane Fist. Uh, very brief thirty second synopsis for Tiger and Crane Fist mm-hmm. is Tiger. There's a Tiger School and a Crane School, and they've been separated. Like they used to be one school at one time. Yeah, cool. School. And then yeah, and then they have this big falling out. They became two schools. And then uh, this, uh, I forget what the actual name is. The bad guy comes into town, and he's he's going to basically. Are you are you I you know history more than I do. The uh, Sino-Japanese War. I I don't know. I, I wasn't familiar with it either. Uh, was it, Tom Cruise in it? <laughs> the Sino-Japanese War basically predated World War Two. It was in between uh, between China and Japan. Okay, and um, Japanese occupation was a thing so like japanese was like trying to the J- japan was trying to overtake and actually occupy german soil or yes. german soil <laughs> chinese soil and so um this movie kind of takes place during that it's a historical film about that time time frame mm. so this japanese um uh you know warrior is coming into town and basically saying i'm gonna wreck shop your your biggest warriors come and face me i will defeat them all and prove that japan is superior to china basically is, is the plot of the film and so um Tiger and crane schools have to come together and and like train each other and become more powerful than this basically indestructible guy. And then they they determine that the tiger school guru, like the the big time student, the the valedictorian of his school, yeah. um, has to learn the crane style. And then he uses the crane style to to move to pull the pyramids off his chest and then defeat him uh, in battle. So weird. That. So that's the that's the original plot. So. Honestly, Kung Pao Enter the Fist is kind of 
essentially the same plot as the movie, just with some chosen one stuff added. And I feel like they wanted to to kind of poke fun at Matrix by bringing in some of that and stuff. And using the chosen one. Yeah. Man. Well, very cool. Anyway, so it ends up happy, quote unquote. I don't, I don't, you know, it's like yeah, the convolutedness of this movie, it's like, it's a joke unto yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, there are some funny bits and some funny parts, but there's also some lewd things in the movie. I don't know so, that I can, we can't discuss my favorite funny part on air, can we? Probably not. Yeah. The intermission part, by the way, if you want to look up something really funny is <laughs> go to intermission and uh, type in YouTube and go to the intermission of Kung, Kung, Kung Pao Enter the Fist intermission. It's pretty funny. It is, but it's, it's a lot of that overdub. And I feel like on audio, people will be like, golly, these guys are, this is bad. So anyway, when we come back, we will uh, we will talk about uh, the best parts of this thing and worst parts. See in a second. <laughs> goods and bads. Phil, tell us about some goods in this movie i can't talk about my favorite funny part but um if you let's just say if you go and watch the movie it's the part where he talks about um uh his glove like (laughs) where his glove is gonna go so um it's really funny um okay i I, that that during that part i was laughing out loud like i I had to pause the movie i was like crying (laughs) i was laughing so hard i think part of it was because i remember thinking i remembered how funny i thought it was in 2002 i was like oh i love this part that was so funny but it's still funny i think it's still funny in 2018 that 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 joke there that we can't talk about because it's it it is a little too lewd to talk about on on air (laughs) but the goods for me um the goods for me uh, would be just the <laughs> nonsensicalness of this thing, because I like a good nonsense. There, there's a part where where the chosen one punches a hole through a guy, like like punches him in the stomach, and the his <laughs> and I actually thought that was that part was kind of funny too. Like um, the the narrator actually takes over at that point. He's like, "How is that even possible? I mean, it's like one piece, <laughs> one chunk, or <laughs> uh, it's like a." It almost looks like a um, accordion, like an accordion of, like, of, of innards. It, it, yeah, it thumped out of them. <laughs> um, but the, the, and then Tungy and Tungy the, was so lame. And then just like flipping over things. Tungy, by the way, Tungy. folks. Tungy yeah. is literally the name he has given his, his tongue. own tongue, which is what dictates him being the chosen one. And I'm saying that, and not in a lewd way. But his little tongue has its own little face and its own mouth on it. It's got eyes, and that and mouth. is what represents him as the chosen one, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. Like, how did he even come up with that concept? Absolutely, I don't know. It's stupid. It's really stupid. And I, I honestly, I, I never thought that it was funny at all. And for some reason, Tungy always comes out like doing like a Mexican like <laughs> or whatever it is. He's just like, what, what, what yeah. in the world? Yeah, it's uh, there, and that's what what I I wrote in some of the bads is like. I feel like some some parts are too like WTF for it to be funny. Like the audience is watching this movie and they're like, what did I just watch? Yeah, what is this? And and it, and in that moment you can't laugh because you're just like, I'm not sure I understood what just happened, let alone laugh at it. It's it's too weird to be funny in some some parts. How about in two thousand two the ability to dub this all together and have it make any sense? Yeah. I, I think the the, and, and folks, the feat that he pulled yeah. off is impressive. If you've and that, ever, that's, that's one of my biggest goods, I guess. And, and I know um, Jared has done a lot of this. Obviously, Aaron Dicer has done a lot of this, and Danae has done a lot of this, and you've done uh, this, and I've done a little bit just in the very rudimentary way that I could possibly dub a video together. 
But in 2002, though, I mean, to make a video that spliced things together was tougher. Yeah. Computer computers did you know where we still wrote what is four eighty sixes were still the computer of choice back then, and we're still using Windows what ninety eight probably at some level or whatever the whatever the operating system was right yeah. So the idea of being able to splice together video and now yeah Hollywood has very high end things to do this with but my gosh like how do they do this on Windows XP? <laughs> amazing, like amazing, and they they had to have had something else like. Oh yeah, I'm sure. You know, I, nowadays, like a lot of legit studio, granted, probably indie studios are using like Final Cut, like programs that you can just buy and like right. you can have at home. Right. Um. But yeah, back then, I'm sure they were using software that was not publicly available. Right. Um. I think probably the best example, one of the best examples of that is some of the visual comedy that has nothing to do with any lines in the movie. There's a part where, um. Uh, the the master, the sensei of the school, mm-hmm. um, is just walking around giving a speech, and there's a fly that like that fly, <laughs> flies into his mouth. Coughing, yeah. yeah, and in the original scene, in the original movie, he was coughing just because he was very very sick. Like he was basically about to die. He's very old. Yeah, and um and they they thought like it's it's the bad lip re- lip reading kind of thing where like. Like let's make let's poke fun at the scene and make him cough because a fly just flew into his mouth. But again, CGI like that. The only way to pull that off is with the technology that they had. Right. Kind of interesting. Good times. Um, I, I think some of the the bad uh, uh, visual comedy stuff is Gopher Chucks. I I thought Gopher Chucks is funny. I think I call them Nunchucks that were Woodchuck Chucks, which would be yeah. That, that would have been funnier. You should Gopher been. Chucks. <laughs> he grabs two gophers out of the ground. Yeah. And ties them together with they 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 do it they bite down on some like cloth or something and yeah. he uses them as nunchucks right which is really unbelievable and then the, the funniest part of that for of that for me was the chipmunk sound they were making yeah as they're flying around so, some of the audio in this movie definitely helped some of the right the funny um, what's the bads just the overall fact that this is really on that cutting edge of border of um, hey maybe we don't maybe we don't do this i i didn't think maybe i thought it was funny at the time because i was a a young college stupid kid but um the how did i say this that the tang the the female character in this movie yeah like her her chest i could say chest uh is bizarre man like i I just have you ever seen total recall the first one it was a three yes okay stop right there yeah everyone knows i think what you're talking about Yeah, there's three of them this is not that. This is one. This is a single. And it's so a single in the center, and like it basically at her sternum. Yep. So there you go, <laughs> folks. Um, it, you could find this online on YouTube. It's We're not telling you to do that. Too, too bizarre, man. I, again, too bizarre to be funny. OMC, uh, how bizarre came out in 1998. This is yeah. right along those lines. <laughs> how bizarre? How bizarre? Um, can, we um, t- can we talk about the cow fight? Oh yeah. Now that CGI is bad. Yeah, it is. It definitely. was bad. Yeah, like, I, I honestly and I. I, again, it's hard to say with, with absolute certainty. I think it would have been bad even back then. Yeah, I think so. And and it, and it was low budget. I mean, yeah. I, I think people understand that. But he fights a cow at one point, yep. like a, a full size cow, yep. who stands on his hind legs like a human and uh, shoots milk out yes. of his udders. Yes, and he dodges those uh, milk pieces, uh, Matrix style. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That hey, I think you synopsized that pretty well. He, he uh, pile drivers him at one point, like wraps his arms yes. around him and pile drives him, him yeah. in, into the ground. 
Um, he defeats him by draining all the milk out of his body until he's just like a thin version of himself. Yep. I feel dumber <laughs> for this explanation. So, um, so that yeah, that there you go. It's pretty bad, real bad, and, and it's meant to be bad, but it also is bad. Like it's just in bad, any man. context, it's bad. Yeah. Um, I didn't laugh at all during that part. I no. was just like, what is going on? And I think they were trying to make you laugh by the fact that this um, cow was jumping around doing its thing. Okay, so okay, one one more scene. What what about the the net scene? <laughs> he gets a he gets a net thrown on. I thought that was kind of funny. And but... here's why I liked it. I liked it because it is, you know, in Austin Powers, this, this baby blanket of a net basically. But gets you know, thrown it, on his head. it's a little bitty small net. They're like, <laughs> we got you with the net. Remember in Austin Powers when he backs that cart up he's in dr evil's lair and he backs that cart up yes and it gets stuck in the corridor yes. because it's too tight to get he's doing turned like around a, like a 23 point turn it's yeah. like that it's that kind of comedy where it's pointed out to you i'm glad you mentioned austin powers because this this movie is in the same generation as austin powers yes yes and so and in fact there would have been one more austin powers still to come out i think Bef- maybe a year gold be- member maybe the year before this i can't remember yeah, those came really fast and furious. Yeah, man. they did. They were they were fast and furious. I, I'm almost positive there's a movie that because came out then, after this. Then Michael Myers, Mike Myers, went on to Shrek, and that became his thing. I don't know if he technically has a thing right now. He had a good solid <laughs> 25 years there of yeah. being, in, you know, and then it and then it's drained out. But uh, Goldmember came out that following summer, like six months after after. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So that that kind of I don't know if we see. Right now, this kind of a slapstick comedy coming to theaters. Do we see this? Uh, I, I think that those days are gone, man. Even the situation comedy. Can, can Mike Myers even oh, make an Austin Powers Will, movie? Will Ferrell has presented some slapstick. But s- some of that stuff has fallen flat. Like, um, yeah, we, we we reviewed um, what's the the movie where he was the bad bad guy? Well, uh, uh, Zoolander two. Zoolander two fell really flat, man. Like, I I I didn't think that movie was funny at all. I just don't think it was necessary i think that's what you run into is people go look uh dumb and dumber we got it in 1994 yeah 95 whatever year that was and we got it we understand it and it's all we need zoolander okay good job ben stiller you made this we get it mufatu Mufatu, blah 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 blah. we understand you googly we get it funny (laughs) but then when you come back around and you oh there's more to this now we want to show you more it seems like a cash-in, like we're cashing it in. Yeah. Someone in Hollywood's willing to front the money, and those actors are willing to do it. Let's do it. Star Wars, in my eyes, Star Wars, though, I'm afraid of it coming into that same realm. Mm. It's too much. Well, where we're going to get saturated with Star Wars. Yeah. And and I feel like that scares me. Like, I wanted to, you know. That, just this week, they announced that they're doing yet another trilogy beyond 79, or... Um, or yeah, yeah. They, did, they did no. They they announced um, Han Solo, the, Ryan Johnson, the Solo movie. Yeah, Ryan Johnson is going to do his own trilogy. I don't think those will be numbered. And then they signed on the uh, Game of Thrones guys to do yet another trilogy on top of yeah. that. So and, it's just like how yeah. many how many movies are they going to be? And when, it, when you think about how Star Wars was spaced out, I think that's funny. We're talking about this now, but how how Star Wars was spaced out, it was presented in a way where okay, there's a, it's almost generational. Like where yeah. this generation in this in the late seventies into early eighties they have theirs, and even those horrible sequels or the whole, yeah the prequels uh-huh. they had that generation, and now this new trilogy, it's a whole new set of people, and it uh, it was, but now we're gonna now get into this well with this realm of people going, 
maybe getting saturated on Star Wars. Star Wars saturation. I'm going to say that. So Aaron said this on Sif Pop recently. He said, as long as they're all good, like really great movies, I don't have a problem with it. But does anything work that way? Nothing works that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't know. Like nothing works that way. Um, too much of a good thing is too much. Yeah. You know, I love um, about five bites of cheese puffs. <laughs> cheese curls. Uh-huh. Boy, but you get into that next realm and oh, we're in trouble. Or too many pretzels. You know, you fill up on pretzels. They're yeah. good at first. Ann Ann's pretzels is based on you eating a huge pretzel. You're not eating two of those things. If you are, folks, you need to... Slow down. Yeah, you need, there should be a number on the back of the bag. <laughs> if wherever you're at eating your Ann, Ann Ann's pretzels, which could be our sponsor, <laughs> I guess, for the show. Um. Anyway, there you go. Too uh, much of a good thing. So this... This if you this guy talked about making a sequel to this movie. Yeah, in 2015. It's, it's actually teased in the end of this movie like but right before the credits. In 2015 they talked about making an, another one he did. I don't think you're going to see that movie. No. You're not going to see that movie. And it you don't need to see that movie. I, maybe you do. Maybe you're so bought into the Kung Pao Legend of the Fist, or End of the Fist franchise <laughs> that you need to have another one, but not no. going to not going to do it. No, I and I think he's kind of actually kind of had a falling out in Hollywood like not since this movie necessarily. He never um, directed it another. I think he directed one other he movie. Did Barney this one. He did Barnyard. He did Barnyard after yeah. this one. Um, but his his directing slowed way down. Like where he didn't direct anything for a while. Yeah. Um, I think he's still writing occasionally. I think he even wrote a uh, co wrote a movie a couple of years ago. Yeah. But he has slowed way 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 down. Since Can we movie. get him on this show? Possibly. Let's try it. I bet he would. It because of his affinity for making fun of movies. I, I bet he would come and make fun of his own movie. All right. I'm gonna try it. Let's, let's do it. I'm going to give it a try. Um, so some of the writing in this movie is really bad, though. He's Granted, I, and we're not saying anything about Odekark, his writing in Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, and other movies that he's done, and stuff like that, Nutty Professor, is awesome. Like, yeah. really, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, some of the writing in this, I don't know what he was going for. Like, if he was just try, intentionally trying to make the writing really bad, or if, it, if he was going for something that's gold, gold, Jerry, gold, and it just ended up being really bad. Like, yeah. there's one part where they're, like, falling, and the line is, like, I'm falling. You're falling. We're falling. Oh, it's just like what, bad. What did you write that down? Like, is that? Like, I, I can't tell. <laughs> I can't tell how much of this is improv and how much is what, and that maybe in the script. Too, but, but he was well. I don't know. It's lame. There's um, not much script to say. It's but. lame. Um, let's rate this movie. One horrible being. One being bad. Five mm. being just the worst thing you could imagine. I don't know, man. I definitely laughed at some parts. Um, I'm gonna go. It, some of the stuff is so bad, though. The wee a wee a wee a wee. Oh, sounds, that was bad. I, there were parts where I was just like, I, I wanted to fast forward. I was just like, this is really stupid. I'm gonna go. I was gonna go two, maybe, but I think I'm gonna go three. I, I don't. I would not watch this movie again anytime soon. I'm going with the two because I had. I've only seen it once, and there are some really lame things that people say in this yeah. that I kind of giggled about. But <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna go with two. What have you been into lately, Phil? Anything. Uh, Let's see. I talked about video games last time. Um, I just watched. Uh, have you watched the Cloverfield Paradox yet? I've seen three quarters of it. People have kind of, and I I retweeted something the other day. People, uh, is it Jessica Malton? Malton, who's her, her dad is the uh, uh, movie guy. Malton on f- movies. Okay. She she tweeted something. That I retweeted that, and she, and it was about. What do you think of this? And 
And my thought has been, people are losing their mind over this. It's a Netflix show, folks. Yeah. Like, it's not like we're, like, I know that the standard has been set now. Oh, well, they're spending a lot of money on it, and it's after, uh, it after, just is viable. After 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's, it, you expect really high, yeah, high but, bar. Yeah, but, but we didn't release it to theaters. Yeah. And I still view Netflix um, releases as they didn't want to put it in a theater. So my expectation is not the theater. So for something that was on Netflix, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm. It, like, did, it didn't feel like a, like a sci-fi original or a Netflix original it, kind of. But it, but for me, the the quality, the video, the actual quality of the cinematography was better than a sci-fi oh, original. Yeah, definitely. It's not an animated shark that looks nothing like a shark with Tara Reid screaming at it. Here's, so it wasn't, you know, but it's. Here's my yeah. overall impression of the Here, movie. Of I, I liked it. Yeah. I, I didn't love it. Um, I, I think that you could feel the disparity in the movie with the different plots that were going on because it was originally supposed to be a different movie. Like, they, I don't know if you heard about that. J.J. Abrams was making a movie called God Particle, and it was about the Higgs boson and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. They retrofitted. At one point, they said, we're canceling God Particle. We're not making that movie anymore. They took the footage from that movie and shot additional scenes and converted it into a, a Cloverfield movie. And I yeah. think you can feel that as you watch it. Um, that said, I think it sets up without spoiling anything. It sets up some, I really can't, it's hard to talk about the movie at all without spoiling it. No, that, spoil, yeah, don't spoil there it. are, there are things that happen in the movie that explain how all the movies work together that, that could not be done with outside of this movie. Like this movie had to happen in order to explain some of the weird differences in all yes. the movies. And the, and and so, the way all three of them combine, let's say in the first two Cloverfield and then Cloverfield Lane, 10 Cloverfield Lane, like the the way the the first one, you have to know and you have to see some very tiny minute things in it, like the creature that falls into the ocean at the end of that one. Yeah, it's not even the end; it's the beginning of the. It's actually the a flash for a flashback beginning of the movie. It's weird though. Yeah, I like Cloverfield. You like Cloverfield? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I've really been enjoying the series, and I think it's been how much I enjoy the series. It, it speaks to how much I did like this movie. I, I think if this was the first Cloverfield movie that I watched, I would have hated it. Well, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Like you, you, I like having context into the world of, of that world. Um, I, I'm not always through that, by the way, I haven't got a chance to watch all of it, which is really, it is what it is, but I've had a lot of things going on, but it's good. I, I think if you like the, even if you don't like the Cloverfield movies, I think you still should watch this just to, I think it helps explain what you've seen yes. so far. Yeah. Um, if you're a Netflix subscriber, I don't think there's any excuse not to watch the movie. It's free. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, free. it's not definitely not as kid friendly. I will say that. So yeah, as long as you're binging, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't binge Caillou and then turn around and bit and then but watch this with your child. I liked my time with it. I, I'm glad I watched it. Caillou, Caillou. You're right. Have you watched Caillou yet with your, with your child? Caillou? Caillou. Caillou? Yeah, Caillou. It's a movie? Yeah, oh, it's Caillou? a kid's show. Miller, oh, okay. Miller, you love Caillou, right? <laughs> he hates him. He hates it both. And Paw Patrol. He doesn't like Paw Patrol either. <laughs> anyway, Caillou's horrible. Gosh, it's so bad. There's a kid's show. The worst kid's show. Anyway, there you go, folks. We really come full circle. Cloverfield to Caillou. And uh, thanks a lot, folks, for tuning in. We'll see you soon. See you down the highway. Beep, beep. Bye-bye. Play me like a drum. The Horror Movie Podcast is heard weekly on great stations like 88.1 KZ88, South Central Missouri's Public Radio, 104.1 Caps Media in Ventura, California, 103.5 WADR, Janesville, Wisconsin, and 105.5 KFGM, Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula. 
The Horrible Movie Podcast is available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at the thehorribleMoviePodcast.com.